all animals, you know, it's uh, have different microbiota, and uh, if they grow well, if the immune system is going well, is the digestion is going well, that's what we call a good microbiota. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go in all these million and million of bacteria that is in the gut and the interaction between them. The result is if the animal grows well, if the animal is healthy, that means it's in equilibrium. A whole new era of communication in the Canadian swine industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds of the Canadian and global swine industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. The Swine It Podcast Show Canada is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like... Our nutrition group includes four companies. Nutrition Athena, Shakespeare Mill, Farmhouse, and Nutrition Partners, which serve swine producers all across Canada. Swine Veterinary Partners comprises four well-established clinics across Canada. Precision Veterinary Services, Premier SHP, Demeter Veterinary Services, and Demeter Services Veterinaries. Welcome to the Swinet Podcast Show Canada, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and everything that's working in the Canadian and global swine industry. Swine Veterinary Partners offers a full range of animal health and production services to Canadian pork producers. We approach health management through personalized solution with concern for profitability while taking into account performance and the well-being of your animals. Hello, everyone. I'm Dan Columbus, your host for today's Swine Ed Canada podcast. Uh, with me today, I have Dr. Mark Lassard, who was a research scientist at the Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada Research Centers. Uh, how are you today, Mark? I'm doing pretty well. You know, I've been <laughs> retired for two years right now, then no stress about work. <laughs> I'm doing well. <laughs> Well, that's good. Not a lot, a lot to complain about when you're retired. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. <laughs> yeah, okay. I miss, well, some, I miss some work, some project, but then people, but, uh, you know, I'm doing something else. Overall is good. Yeah, overall yeah, okay. is good. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for, for joining us today and agreeing to uh, do this podcast. So uh, before we get going on today's uh, topic of discussion, uh, as some of our audience may not be familiar with you and your work, uh, I'll ask uh, or Serge by asking you to talk a little bit about yourself, uh, where you've come from, and what you what you did. Yes, I can tell you what uh, I did. My most of my study at University Laval uh, in Quebec, uh, master degree in animal science, PhD in nutrition and immunology. I was doing my PhD. Uh, during, uh, I was hired by Agriculture Canada during my PhD. There was a program of, at that time where I was already employee of Agriculture Canada. And then by the end, uh, in 84, you know, I did my PhD in 84 to 88 in swine nutrition and immunology. And then in 88, I moved in Ottawa. And in 95, 97, we moved in Sherbrooke. Lennoxville, where there is a research center for swine and and bovine, you know, dairy cattle and swine research center. 
Now the, the name of the center is Center for Food. Uh, no, it's Center, uh, Centre de Recherche et Développement de Sherbrooke. Center, Research Center Development. <laughs> Sherbrooke Research Center and Development. I have it in French sometimes. I have to translate. <laughs> then I've been working then since uh, 99 in Sherbrooke, uh, close to uh, in, in Quebec. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, great. Um yeah, I know. I know a lot of your work was was nutrition and immunology, which is a topic close to my heart because uh, it's made up a lot of uh, my research program over the last couple of years too. Uh, so I guess we'll we can start very generally, and then we'll get into maybe some specific questions. So maybe just yes, we can start generally. When when I did my PhD, you know, I work on vitamin E and selenium deficiency on the immune system. And I spent two years in medicine in Wisconsin over there at the vet school to to learn, you know, and to work with people with uh, expertise in that field. And uh, when I moved to Sherbrooke, that's where I I came back to in in pigs, and that's where I start working in gut health. Then starting with probiotic and some other feed additive, and we can always oriented on gut health and immune system development, then we can talk a little bit more about that <laughs> in details, of course. Yep. Then I, <laughs> um, I spent two years in France with uh, Jean-Paul Lalaise, who have been working also in gut. And uh, that's where I start, you know, doing some histology and better understand what was the the physiological aspects of the gut. And then we move, you know, on the on studies working uh, to evaluate the, um, the health of the gut. And at that time, I was always in head the three lines of defenses. The first line being the, the microbiota, you know, the bugs in the gut virus and bacteria and all these things. The second line is um, the epithelium, which interact with the with the microbiota and the, the bacteria that is there in the virus. And of course, behind that structure, we have the immune system. We know that the, the gut is the most important lymphoid tissue in all, you know, mammifers, uh, in all animals, in most animals, I would say. Then that's where, you know, working in the young piglets, where we know that at, at birth, the animal is not completely uh, developed at, for the immune system and is almost sterile also. And then we question what is the role of the mother in educating and providing what is required to 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 develop the immune system based on these three lines. Then, of course, we have to talk about colostrum. We have to talk about milk. That's where we start doing some work in vitro at the same at at that time with cell culture. And also to do some work with the animals to see how we can either with probiotics or with oligosaccharides or with other nutrients 
vitamins, and of course some functional food. Uh, and that's where, you know, the choice I, I have to, to make, you know, the model I use is, of course, the milk. Knowing that uh, the milk and the colostrum contain for the first line of defense, you know, for the microbiota, we already know that in the milk, in the colostrum, you have oligosaccharides that are not digestible, that are there for the bugs. And we know also there is peptide that, are, that have antimicrobial properties that, you know, you can see already in the mail there is thing in there that is to to develop the microbiota and to to give some good uh, first a good population of bugs over there. And I can go further than that. There's some some studies right now that showed also that the mother um, during the lactation. There is cells in the gut that will be some samples in the gut, some some bacteria, and these cells will be transferred to the mammary gland, and then the cells will be uh, will be released in the milk, and then will inoculate the piglets. Then you can see there is in the milk bacteria also that is given to the piglets, and also at the same time molecules that will control the growth of the good bacteria and molecule that will prevent the, gro the growth of some bacteria that we don't want to see right now, or, or at that age already. Of course, now I'm, after that, you have the epithelium, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and the epithelium, it's, uh, you know, the, all the, uh, the, 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 you know, the enterocytes, you know, there is, Different kind of cells also at the uh, at the at the gut at the epithelium levels, and we have to know that these cells need growth factors and all kind of molecules to get you know to, to maturate and also to conserve their integrity because it's really important at that stage, even after weaning, to get the integrity of the wall really really solid. And then if you start to, to make some, to disturb that, then you can get a leaking gut, what we call, you know, some molecule will go through. And then you have in the milk and colostrum, you have molecule that will be using for that also. And also for all the digestive and neurologic system, you know, we can, but now I'm just going to talk about this part of the animal because that's what interest me the most but we know that all molecules that go through the blood after that it's uh, to develop the respiratory system the uh, immunological system the reproduction system will be also affect you know but I, i'm going to stay in the gut <laughs> and then after that you have the immune system that also required to be activated that's where you know in the milk and in the milk you have all kind of molecules that will be oriented to protect the animals and to develop the immune system of the animal. And one thing we have to remember, the milk is not antigenic. There is no antigens from milk. 
And you know, if we take the pigs that is under in, during the lactation program, during the lactation period, during the first 21 days or the first 28 days, you know, the only antigen that they will see, the pigs, it's virus and bacteria during the first three weeks. And they not often very sick during that period. They grow very well, most of them. Then that's where, you know, I build my program to see what kind of molecules we need. And we don't find all these molecules in many, many food. That's the reason why I, I, I start working with bovine cholesterol as feed additive because this product contains most of the molecules that interest me. And we know there is cross-reaction also between species. The best demonstration of that, when you do cell culture, most of the cell culture will use fetal bovine serum. Then, you know, you, you will culture human cells, pig cells, mice cells. You will use fifth albovite serum to grow the cells. This is a good example of, of that. Then we start doing some in vitro culture with EPEX cells, intestinal porcine epithelial cells with the serocholesterol. It's the, the part of the serocholesterol, the cholesterol is it too complicated? <laughs> Maybe. I'm, I don't want to go into too much details, but uh, then, you know, that's where, you know, we start working with the epithelium cells where we expose the cells to the, to the part of the cholesterol that the, the casein has been extracted. This is the, 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 the fraction that is rich in cytokines, growth factors, and oligosaccharides. But because we were interested in looking at the way the epithelial cell will be responded, will respond to the to some injury or some infection. We wanted to see if bovine cholesterol, the serocholesterol, was good for that. And yes, then if we just, just, just do an injury to the cells and look at the recovering of the cell, bovine cholesterol will be better than, uh, than other product to do that. Even if, if you infect the cells with, with salmonella or E. coli, the immune, the, the inflammatory response will not be the same if you compare the cells that were exposed to serocholesterol and the cells that, that were not exposed to serocholesterol. Already in vitro study show that. Then, if we come back to the pigs right now, <laughs> that's where, you know, uh, in, the, in the last few decades, I would say three, four decades, we uh, we have done many things, you know, to improve the pig production. Uh, first of all, we we started to use in 60s, 70s antibiotics as uh, growth promoters. We also did uh, some selection uh, to improve prolif pro uh, 
number of piglet birds, I would say. Really? It's a hard word for me. The number. I think it's hard for me too. <laughs> the 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 number of piglet of birds. Then the model we work on right. We have been working. Then we we realized that after this selection that we did on the number of piglet birds that the number of piglet alive bird at, at birth. Uh, okay, we did pretty well, but there was a big difference between the development of the piglets at birth. Some will have low birth weights and some others will have high birth weight. And we have, have looked to the, to, the, to the microbiota of these animals and looked at also to the development of the animal and there is marked differences. Then the question is, even for the pigs that are in good shape and those that are low birth weight, what kind of strategy do we, do we have to make in place? Um, what is creep feeding? Uh, before weaning, you know, the creep feeding period and after weaning, what kind of strategy do we have to do? Uh, we can think about probiotics, oligosaccharides, uh, but it's not enough when you can see the complexity of um, what is a gut health. That's the reason why we start working on bovine cholesterol to replace the antibiotics. But we, the problem, you know, working with this product like bovine cholesterol or even the plasma protein, which is good also. I don't, you know, plasma proteins do, do pretty well too. But if we compare the plasma protein and the, the cholesterol, there's something that we find in the cholesterol that we don't find in the serum, plasma protein. You know, we have to be aware of that. You will find very good growth factor in the plasma as well, but you don't find all the immune factors that we find in the cholesterol and all sugar that we find in the cholesterol. Then that's the reason why the, there was a differences in the result that we get between the animal that received plasma and the animal that didn't receive, that received the cholesterol as well. Then... Always, <laughs> uh, then uh, that's what you know. We we decided to do. Then with colleagues, we did the experiment where we said, "Well, oh, I, I want to make another parenthesis." One of my colleagues also working in the transfer of nutrient from the mother to the piglets in cholesterol realized that also some vitamins and minerals as not as well transferred than other nutrients. You know, if we talk about the vitamin D, vitamin E, A, and, and vitamin B are well transferred, but I will, and E and B, these vitamins, some of them are are well transferred, but some um, some others as are, are like vitamin D and vitamin A are not that well transferred to the pellets. 
there is some, but not enough to cover the, the needs of the piglets. There is good reason for that. Because if the pig, you know, in the past, many years ago, the pig were raised outside. They, were, they had sun exposure. They don't really need to. There is a kind of adaptation. And also, they like to eat some uh, grass also. You know, they were outside. They get their vitamin A through the grass and so through plants. You know, by doing kind of uh, projection, industrial projection, we move the pigs inside and we, they did not have access to that. I can go further than that. That's the part of the nutrition. <laughs> there was some other study they looked at also the immune system development of pig living inside and pig living outside. It's like, you know, uh, I will make a comparison between people living in city and people living in, camp in, uh, in campaign, which are more exposed to different pets you know, in farms and more exposed to different antigens and uh, environmental, uh, uh, microbial, microbial environmental. You know, they don't have the same immune system. The rural people, you know, have a kind of system, immune system that is different from people living, living in urban city. The same thing for the pigs that were raised outside compared to the pig raised inside. We can see kind of similar differences. Then it's, um, it's kind of, uh, this is, you know, what we have to keep in mind right now to, to, to play, to improve the resistance of disease of the animals. How can we play with the environment? How can we play with the feed additive that will be you know, getting a more robust animals for the health at, based on the immune system. Then, uh, uh, is it clear? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I think it's great. Yeah, it's great. It just, I think it shows. I mean, it shows the complexity of of this, right? And it's something that I've been to there's so many levels to this there's so many different ways we can approach this yeah uh and to change the factors right and it's from from changing the microbiota to helping the intestinal epithelium and and, and that border the uh, uh uh barrier function you know and even then how it how it how it involves the immune system right and it's all interconnected and, and I think it's, it's all interconnected and before I moved to the Denver, I was talking about vitamins, you know, and mineral that is transferred through the animal by the mother. And the reserves are quite limited. Then when we did the experiment, we were not, I was not aware of this result from Jacques Matt, you know, on the transfer of vitamin. But we, the, the one that we have selected a few, a, f a few vitamins that we selected were the one that uh, Dr. Matt identified as the one that were not well transferred. <laughs> and if you take vitamin D and vitamin A, both play very, very, very important role in the um, maturation of this immune system 
and the organization of the immune system. They have many roles, but you know, they play roles, uh, many roles in the, in the immune system and in the gut as well. Then we did an experiment where we have pigs fed with bovine colostrum, enriched premix, oligosaccharides, and we also use and oligosaccharides was to to try to get a little bit more product for the bacteria, you know, to try to get a, a, a better, you know, uh, proliferation of the good bacteria that we we that we we supposed to be, you know, we don't know what is the better bacteria, and we have also. <laughs> <laughs> And we have also essential oils that have antimicrobial activity as well to add some antimicrobial activity that also the cholesterol brought. And what was interesting in that study is the animals that were fed with the, um, the cholesterol and the cocktail, you know, je l'applique cocktail because all the other, the, the manan, the oligosaccharides, were used with colostrum or with plasma protein. Never we had plasma protein and colostrum together. Okay? And these animals that received the colostrum uh, and were infected with salmonella recover faster. The micro, you know, after, after infection, you create a kind of disequilibrium at the, in the microbiota. Then we infect the animal, and after three days of infection, big switch in the microbiota. There was big change. And we also take sample on day seven pass infection. And then that's where we see the microbiota of the animal that received the colostrum. There was a, a shift back to normal. And at the same time, we have seen some immune reaction that was you know, upregulated at the tree that start to be downregulated in the animal that were fed with cholesterol and not fed with the other diet. And there was also a diet with antibiotics also. And the best one was the one with cholesterol. Then it works. I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to, because I want to, I want to ask, and I'm going to challenge you a little bit. It might be an unfair question because you already said we don't know what are good bacteria <laughs> So how do you, what what do you define normal when you say that they went back to a normal microbiome? Uh, okay, we have a picture of the microbiota before challenge, and then we have a group control. You know that were fed exactly as the one that were uh, challenged, and we have an image of what's going on in the ileum, ileum, and in the colon. And then we have a group that were infected and we take measurement at three days. We see the shift and we follow the animal, all these groups, you know, that were fed with different diet at eight days. And the one that were, that received cholesterol, there was a kind of pattern in the microbiota. And this pattern, you know, they switch toward that pattern that we have seen before infection. That's why I'm talking about recovering faster. 
because the, you create a dysbiosis, a disequilibrium, and then it's reco- it, returns it's back coming to back, that, you some, know, to yeah. normal. Oh, it's yeah. coming back with time. That's what the. No, I, I just ask because I know that in, in that field, there's been a lot of discussion and debate as to what a. Maybe, and maybe the word is different, but what is a healthy microbiome versus uh, an unhealthy one, right? And so you are, you're comparing it just to your untreated group, but that same microbiome in another pig might not be necessarily considered healthy, yeah, right? Because all animals, you know, it's, uh, have different microbiota. And uh, if they go well, if the immune system is going well, is the digestion is going well, that's what we call a good microbiome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go in all these million and million of bacteria that is in the gut and the interaction between them. The result is if the animal grows well, if the animal is healthy, that means it's an equilibrium. That's that's my point of view right now, uh, but it's important to to understand which bacteria you know can cause problem. You know, this is another story. But uh, uh, there is so many examples in human, you know, where they can target some bacteria that are associated with uh, uh, bowel inflammatory um, um, inflammation, which is good. But in pigs, it's not, it's not the same story. We want animals that are in health, and we have, we have to know what is the picture. And I will go further than that. What can we do with the sow to be sure that we transfer a robust microbiota? Because the way we raise the animal right now if I told you, if we raise the animal, the sow, during the pregnancy, outside, we can have a group of sow raised outside, having going can go outside, exposed to sun, exposed to, to grass, exposed to, to bacteria in the soil. You have this sow that come back in the house, and then uh, for, during, for the following period, and have the, the the lactation period inside. And you have another group of sow inside. Never go outside. Do you think there will be a difference between piglets? I would say yes. I haven't done experience, but I would say there will be an, an environmental effect that will be transferred by the mother. And then now we have to say what, what can we do with the piglets? Should we try to to expose them also to some outside environmental effect too, which which we think will be good for him and will make him more robust and more resilient to disease and will be using less antibiotic, not only at weaning, but all for his life. That's that's the idea, I would say. <laughs> this is my point of view. That's that's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> that's, that's the goal. Yeah, we should do a, a, a research <laughs> like that, but I, you know, but it's still it's, uh... <laughs> I, I, um, I do have some. Well, there's one specific, and I, and this one jumped out at me because I have a, a particular interest in, in low birth weight 
piglets, and you mentioned differences between low birth weight and normal birth weight. So I just, if you want to talk a little bit more about what you found in there with, with those that maybe like some specific strategies for that. Yes. Uh, the low birth weight, this is the one that will be weighting less than 1.1 kilo, I would say, you know. 1.1, 1.2, it's a threshold. And I would say maybe the development is not completely, you know, uh, mature in uterine development. You know, if we look at, if we come back at the time of the attachment of the pig, of the embryo, around 16 or 18 days of gestation. We are at the beginning of the gestation right now. Already there is differences at that. If the weight is different at that place, if the size of the embryo is different at 30 days, of, at 28 days of gestation, that difference will be bigger and bigger and bigger with the time of gestation. And the development will be maybe slowly or will not get all, will not get all the nutrients, all the factor that you need to get well developed. Then at, at, at birth, these piglets, you know, they are not as strong as the other one. They get most of the time much more or less colostrum. And, you know, and much more or less milk. And it's adding. It's adding. And this is the animal that costs the most their producer also. They just keep going to be costly. That's, you know, what we have to now work on that part to try to, to have more, more, you know, homogenized size of piglets at birth. Even if you have less piglets at birth, it may be better to have less, but have this, a, a size well-developed piglets, you know, at birth already. Then it start at the same point. But is that answer the question? Yep. No, <laughs> no I mean, just saying, I, I think it's interesting that these pops up and, you know, you, you're seeing the, the differences too, because I think that's one of the things is that they're not, they don't respond the same way, right? And try to tease that up. Yeah, and we can see, you know, after at 14 days of age, if you take low birth weight and normal birth weight, uh, already the you know at at the at the microbiota, there's huge difference between both, and also for the immune system, also there is kind of. Uh, differences, very important differences in the gene expression at the gut level. That's what we measure, you know, and then what, and some also, uh, and we did also some work on the cells in the blood, and we can see also some differences in different immune cells that we find in the blood, uh, different T-cell population. I don't want to go to in details in that, but you have uh, uh, Th cell, you know, cytotoxic T cells, B cells. 
macrophages, you can see differences in these population yeah. already. No, I, I think it's important to highlight that in, so that in, even in general, if we just stop thinking about them as just a small version of a pig that needs to just needs more feed, right? It's not, it's not just a matter of how much they're eating. It's, it's everything. Yeah. Oh, no, it's not. It's not. Yeah. It's more than that. And uh, now we have probably to question, you know, in the future, you know, what we did in the past. Uh, the physiology of the animal was not really taken in consideration. And we have to question that also. You know, not, the, not only the way we raise the animal inside, but what we do with the sow, you know, to get more and more piglet per year. Is it the good strategy? Should we come back to 28 days of lactation and and using this the knowledge we have right now to say, well, it makes sense maybe to do that, and finally you will get more money because you will spend more. You won't spend money for diseases and all all care that you have to give to the animals but it's easy to say right now but has to be done and another another thing that is you know for the producer the most important cost is the feed and of course if you propose the producer to use bovine cholesterol which costs <laughs> You know, too much, too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> compared to 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 uh, to antibiotic, then uh, cholesterol won't, won't won't win. But you have to remember what is in the milk, and then develop feeding strategies that will mimic the milk. Maybe at a cost that will be quite, quite lower. That's possible, I would say. Well, I, th I think we could talk about this for hours <laughs> if we really wanted to, uh, but we don't have, we, we, we only have so much time. Um, so I think basically I, what, what I'd ask now is if you had one message that you wanted the listeners of this episode to take home with them, what would that be? The take-home message would be uh, to have a, go a global view of the animals, you know, always, and have a look to the interaction with the environment, the, uh, the physiology of the animals, the knowledge of that, the immunology and the nutrition, of course. They're all related together. Uh, I have a picture, I don't know, you know, we have a triangle, which is, um, uh, okay, you don't, where, you know, you have the environment, the intestinal microbiota, and all the defense in the gut, and in the, uh, and systemic defense, and, uh, you, you're sure that, um, looking just at this interaction between the diet and be aware that probably at weaning when we feed the animals 
there is maybe some deficiency that is there for nutrient. We haven't talked about uh, fatty acid also, you know. We talk about factor, we, we talk about vitamin, minerals, but we can go further. The fatty acid and lipids molecules. I would, I would include also lipids molecules, which might play a very important role also in the uh, immune system and in the physiology and health of the animal. Because they are not all the same, you know, all the lipids, even the um, the um, fatty acids, you know. It, we can talk about polyunsaturated fatty acid, we can talk about saturated fatty acid, we can talk about the medium chain fatty acid, and we can <laughs> talk about butyrate, which is another one. That once we will be understanding what's going on with all these nutrients, and if they are provided in sufficient amount to respond to what's going on. And we know that weaning period is a tough time for the pilot. They don't eat that much. They don't have reserve. What can we do? Exactly. <laughs> like I said, like I said, yeah, I think we, talk, we could talk about this forever. We might have to have you on for part two. <laughs> uh, let's see, we might have to have you on for part two. <laughs> you keep yeah. talking about all the other stuff, yeah. but yeah, Let me know. Uh, no, I think that's been great. Some some good information out there, and I, I I like the I like the message of look looking from a global view and, and focusing on multiple things. So it's time for our famous three. Before we finish, we ask all of our 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 uh, guests three questions. Uh, these are beyond the the research part of it. Uh, the first question we ask is, what is your favorite swine-related book or resource? Uh, I used to read more article in vetiminology, <laughs> but a book, um, uh, that's a tough question right now. In pigs, my most interesting, I don't know right now. It's, it's not coming in my mind, but... Um, I would say in swine, the best one. That, that immunology works because it's a resource and the information's up. Um, our, the second question we ask, maybe this one will be easier. Uh, what is a favorite book uh, or resource outside of agriculture? So this could be, you know, anything that you're reading. Well, I like to read uh, thrillers, you know, uh, and uh, I'm doing also music that I'm reading music, jazz music. Then I have, uh, I'm playing flute, Versiaire, and uh, I like to do that. That's a kind of reading also, you know. I'm glad to do that. And uh, science, science, science reading also, you know. I'm still looking at uh, uh, nature immunology reading. I'm still looking at that then. I keep inform myself of what's going on in immunology, and if I can go to see some conferences at University of Sherbrooke, also <laughs> I'm doing that. Keeping busy, that's good. Okay, <laughs> hey. um, and then our last question is: In your opinion, what sets successful spine professionals apart from those that are not? And you can define success however you want when you're answering this question. Uh, I would say, you know. Uh, Working in group, working with people, it's quite important. And um, for the grad student, it will be to to not to not be discouraged. 
by, you know, uh, it's keep going and believe to yourself that you can accomplish something nice. And, um, and I would say working with people also is quite important and exchange ideas with people. That would be, uh, and, you know, and be, and try to answer questions that are not too complicated, even if, you know, the complexity is known. But now with the new technology, the new instruments that give us the, pos the possibility to have a better view, general view, you know, we can go, we can talk about metabolomic, you know, we can talk about gene expression, we can talk about different technology that is there right now to have a large picture of what's going on in the animals. That's what say, uh, but not to be, to, to work with people. I would say, you know, this is make, make the life easier yeah. and more fun. I hope also. my graduate students are listening <laughs> when, they, <laughs> when they do this, because they, 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 yeah, that's something that I, that I try to encourage in that. But, you know, with the last three years, I think it might be very hard for that, for that court, you know, that, was it but that have the grad student during the COVID period that think it would be uh, it, it's a challenge for them right now to uh, more interactive with people okay well I think that's all the time <laughs> that we have for today I told you we, we it would go through uh, pretty quickly um, so I'll thank you again for agreeing to, to be on the show I think some good information and I hope that our audience uh, enjoys it so thank you again Thank you very much for asking me to be part of that postcast. And uh, I don't know if people have questions, they maybe can write to me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Should we say that? I, you can you if you want. Yeah. So uh, fine, find you. I know you're on LinkedIn and that. So, you know, if they have any questions, they can, they can follow up. They can always contact me and I can contact you as well. So. No, but yeah, good, okay, good, so good. thank you very much. And yeah, 